What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to our second pay-per-view point predictions podcast for this week for the Smartout Moment Smack Talk podcast. I'm your host as always, Tony Mango, and joining me, same as before, we've got Robert DeFelice. Hello, everybody. And Callum Wiggins. We promised this one won't be over two hours to the guy in the um, comment section. Yeah, no, <laughs> and there's no way. It'll be six hours. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> Each of our five matches is going to get an hour and a half dedicated to <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, not being the case. This is going to be a much quicker one uh, because this is NXT TakeOver New Orleans. So we have less than one third of a card in comparison to WrestleMania. It's still going to be a really good show, I'm assuming. And we still have some stuff to talk about, though. So let's break down what we think is going to happen, who's going to win, who's going to lose, what we're going to like the best, what we're not looking forward to all that much, and blah, 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 blah. Maybe we'll talk about food, because I'm already hungry, and this is snack talk as well sometimes, and maybe we will just uh, ramble about some stuff. I don't know. So, again, if you look at the timestamp and it says that it's a six-hour-long thing or something like that, then you know that I didn't do my job budgeting time. But we are... Currently, uh, about 4 o'clock on Thursday afternoon is when we're recording this, so that's our point of reference for anything in case they announce something in the future, you know, a match changes, somebody gets injured, whatever the case may be like that. Uh, First things first, let's just dive right into this with the North American Championship ladder match. We have a six-pack challenge, Adam Cole, EC3, Killian Dane, who I fucking hate writing out his name, I always spell it wrong the first time. Uh, Lars Sullivan, Ricochet, and the Velveteen Dream. Number one topic to talk about before we get into the match itself, the title. They have shown off the title design, and I had mentioned before I was really looking forward to it because I really, really like the NXT titles, but I hate it. And I know that there seems to be a little bit of a split. Some people love it because it's old school. Some people like myself hate it because it's old school or for other reasons. And I hated seeing this thing on, uh, I forget where it was, Facebook or something. This is the type of thing that bugs the shit out of me. Somebody posted a graphic and it was a bunch of the titles that are just a big W. And it said, wrestling fans, wow, we don't like to have all these titles look the same. We want something different. And then it was a picture of the North American title. Wow, this is something different and we don't like it. It's not mutually exclusive. I don't want every title to be the W, but that doesn't mean change is automatically good just because it's different. And I admittedly don't like red straps or the blue straps or the purple strap or any other. I like a black strap on a title. So that already negative points. And I think that the design is just a little too old school. And I don't like old school belts. If you look at like the European championship, I've always run down that I hate that one. I think that this looks like the old light heavyweight championship from WWE. And I thought that that was an ugly belt. So the North American name, I wasn't sold on. And now the title design, I'm not sold on. But I still do think it's going to be a good thing for the brand. And I think this match is going to kick ass. So that's a quick little thing to unpack for my opinions. But for you guys... The title. What do you think about the design? I think it's gorgeous. I think you can see Triple H's love for old school, specifically old school NWA and everything that he does for NXT. If I was going to nitpick anything about this title and modern championships in general, I prefer nameplates to custom side plates. And 
this title and every other title in WWE has the custom side plate. And I just, I don't know why they're going there. I think it's a lot easier to just have the guy's name on the championship and have the championship have a uniform look, you know? But the title itself, I think it's a gorgeous-looking title. I'm glad that it's not a giant X as, you know, the NXT and the NXT Women's title is. And like you said, Tony, I think this is a phenomenal thing for the brand. And this match is going to possibly steal the show and maybe the weekend. I I really like the design as well. I know it's old school, but... I think it's it gives the North American look very clearly. It's very defined. It's not distracting. Like I, along with you, Tony, don't really like the coloured straps usually. But there's something about this one. I think it's the fact that it's kind of muted. It's more of like a reddish brown, so it looks a little bit more sophisticated than the like really garishly awful red in the Universal Championship design. So I. Look, I like the look of the championship, and I think, like like you both have said, it's going to be a big thing for the brand to have a secondary championship to be working with on a more consistent basis. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. mid-card title on on its own, just putting out the idea of, like, we'll, we'll have a mid-card title in NXT, I don't think it was a necessity, but I do think that it, it serves a good purpose, and that there is a good chance that this could end up being something that's really beneficial for the brand in the future. Because not a lot of people get a chance to run with that NXT title. And another thing that has to do with this, and this is something that I don't know if this is necessarily why they added this or not, but when you have somebody win the NXT title, they hold it for maybe two takeover events, sometimes a little bit longer. They drop it to whoever the next obvious choice is most of the time. And then they go up to the main roster and it's become a little bit predictable where now it's like, all right, spoiler alert for later, Andrade Siamis is going to lose the title to Aleister Black and then Andrade is going to come up after the draft. So it's like if you give them a secondary title, now people can have a title reign and they don't have to leave as soon as they drop that title. It could just be the other title. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I said, when they first announced the title, I think, you know, the Tyler Breeze and Sami Zayn Tyson Kidd class of NXT could have really benefited from a North American title or any secondary title. Bo Dallas never should have been an NXT champion. I think he should have held this kind of a title. So I I like that idea. Uh, Even if I don't like the belt itself, I like the idea that we're going to have somebody holding that belt. It works a little better along the lines that NXT have usually, I mean, like you say, they fall into a bit of a pattern of holding the championship for a few takeovers and then losing it. But it opens up more opportunities for people like Neville or Finn Balor. Like their title reigns were almost a year long each. It allows you to do that, whereas like keep those championship reigns long and keep the prestige of that championship strong while giving other people other titles to fight for in the interim. So you can still see the excitement of title changes more often. But you don't have to, it doesn't always have to be like the one major championship. So, keeping that in mind, we have six different people here, and those six people could all easily win this. I think I'm in agreement with you guys about that, right? Like anybody of these could win. 
This is the definition of a toss-up. Anyone could win, and I think I would be absolutely okay with it. They picked six really strong names that if that well, was the only one of them will win the championship now, but all of them could be the next in line to win the title, like further down the line. I would have to say the person that I would rule out the most, and I'm pretty sure that at least one person is going to disagree with me on this, is Adam Cole. If I'm going to say one person's guaranteed not to win it, it's him. Only if they're finally going to pull the trigger on Adam Cole being NXT champion, or unless they want to keep him as Kyle O'Reilly's partner for now. That's exactly what I'm thinking that they're going with, because, and we'll talk about it next, the NXT Tag Team Championship is on the line, and Adam Cole's filling in for Bobby Fish. So we'll get into that a little bit, but that's the reason why I think that he is just not going to win this. And I don't know if this is going to be one of those scenarios where maybe they book this as the second match of the night. I think that that's going to be the case. I actually kind of think that the way that we're going to go here is tag titles, and then they're going to go straight into the uh, ladder match. Because then, and this will, you know, again, I'm kind of jumping ahead here a little bit, but uh, the NXT tag titles, I think they're going to be retaining the the Undisputed Era. And then right afterward, it's going to be like, all right, Adam Cole, you just wrestled a match, and now you got to do the ladder match. And then that gives them an excuse to lose. I think that I that's think how they do it. do it. I think we're going to end up with the women's title going first or the tag title going first, then women's title, then ladder match. Just a little bit of a break for him. I think he gets a little bit of a break. Could be. I'm but, still not. I mean, I'll talk about more with the tag team titles, but I'm still not convinced he's going to be fighting in that match. Hmm. Oh, but, that's, well, that's yeah. well, he's in the, he's in the graphic, so I'm going with him for now. <laughs> Cause WWE's graphics are always so like yeah. trustworthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got five other people. If we rule out Adam Cole, well, does anybody, for that matter, does anybody think that Adam Cole wins? Uh, I've got him as my second favorite. Really? Me too. Second favorite yeah. as well. Huh. All right. I was expecting that it would be like, all right, yeah, brush him aside. Um, I'll come back to that point then. Uh, I think we can group together Killian Dane and Lars Sullivan as two people that are booked pretty damn strong they're not infallible like they don't have some undefeated streak going on right now but i think that they're two giant guys that can lose this because it's a ladder match and it's kind of similar to what we were talking about with the other kind of stuff that we were talking about you don't need those guys to win this type of a match you can have them lose and just because they didn't get pinned means they still kind of look pretty decent if not like lose no steam behind them and I don't know between the two of them, too, if there's one of them that has any more momentum than the other one. So it's another thing that kind of makes me go, well, are they going to pick one of them over the other one? I think they favor Killian Dane. But in my personal opinion, Lars Sullivan has more of an upset. I've, I see Lars Sullivan as the next NXT champion after, like, further down the road, probably around about Brooklyn time, I see him becoming the NXT champion. Yep. That's but, what I'm uh, thinking. But with um, Killian Dane, I mean, it's quite interesting that he's become essentially the focal point of Sanity. He's the main singles guy in Sanity now, when he was probably only initially going to be the tag team with Alexander Wolfe. He now wasn't even supposed to be anything. It was Sawyer Fulton, remember? Yeah. Yeah, I try not to remember that. But, uh, <laughs> but 
yeah, it's, but he's now he's now the focal point of that group, whereas Eric Young has now faded into the background. It's not even on this show. But um, I, I see Sanity as a unit potentially coming up soon. Me too. So I, so I think that it's it's not right that either of those two hold this championship because one of them's moving on to bigger things in NXT, and I think one of them's moving on to bigger things on either Raw or SmackDown. Here's what so, I'm kind of thinking we go with, and you you touched upon it with uh, Sullivan. Uh, again, I I think Alistair Black's going to win the title. So eventually, we're going to have somebody fight Alistair Black at NXT Takeover Chicago, and I'm assuming Black doesn't lose that title until whatever the one before Survivor Series is. Is that Houston or was that last year? I think it's Los Angeles this year. Los Angeles. So I'm going with just he loses it around that time, and there's enough time to build up Lars Sullivan a little bit more throughout that, and we could have Alistair Black versus. Tommaso Ciampa, we could have Aleister Black versus, uh, you know, I mean, you just take your pick. EC3, whatever. And Lars Sullivan is either going to be the next champion after Black, or he's going to be one of those guys that he hangs around and he could potentially win that North American championship as the next person to win that one. But he's clearly a priority. And Killian Dane is a dude that, if you look at the way that his career has gone, his trajectory is really high up. He was only in the company for like a month, and they put him on TV, and then two months later or so, he was wrestling for the uh, Andre Battle Royal. So this dude is just like, he's skyrocketing. And I think Sanity's coming up to the main roster, I think that Killian Dane can't win the North American Championship because of that reason. And then that kind of throws out the idea that I said earlier. If you don't give it to Killian Dane, but you give it to Lars Sullivan, it kind of makes it seem like he's the bigger guy. And I don't think that they want to make that distinction. They purposely did a match between those two that didn't end with either of them getting any kind of an upper hand on the other one on this last episode of NXT. I think you can combine them both as just a no. I think they're both definitely a no here, but I think Lars Sullivan is a guy who, this weekend with the right eyes on him, he might get sent straight up. If the right person looks at him and goes, my God, he looks so big, he's so aggressive, we got to have him on Raw now. You know? It could be. I'm, I'm not ruling that out for Lars Sullivan. I definitely think, like Killian last year, he shows up at least in the Andre, but I don't see him winning here. And um, so I'm grouping Killian with him like you guys are. Ricochet, he's here to jump off ladders, right? Does anyone see him actually winning? Um, it, Part of me, like I don't, I don't see him as a favorite, but this is kind of his match, his environment, whereas all the others are a bit... The, the ladder match concept is a bit alien to them. Like maybe Adam Cole a little bit, but if there's any environment where Ricochet has an advantage over pretty much anybody else in NXT, it's in a ladder match environment. So they might just do that as like, oh, it makes sense that Ricochet maybe one-on-one wouldn't be able to beat most of these guys. But when you put a ladder involved or you have some sort of element of high flying and speed, then this is where you give him the championship. I'm working more under the assumption Ricochet is going to be the standout, but he's still going to lose. 
And it's going to be one of those things where if the champion is a baby face, where do you go from there? But if the baby face is the one challenging for the title, then people are still kind of invested afterward. And if you look at the group of this people, he's the only baby face. Adam Cole, he's beloved, but he's a heel. EC3, people are going to go nuts for him, but he's a heel. Dane and Lars Sullivan, they've got their, you know, their, their heels, essentially. Because Killian Dane, the whole sanity thing, like, they they went a little bit babyface there, but they're still kind of heels. It's weird. It's like Nikki Cross is a face. Dane is, like, a tweener. And Eric Young and Alexander Wolf are basically just, like, who fucking cares, kind of, a little bit. It's weird. Um, Velveteen Dream, people love him, but he's a heel, too. Ricochet's the only one who's a babyface. And it would be kind of strange for the, the only babyface to win, but it's not the craziest thing in the world, too. That's another thing to keep in mind. And I think that it's kind of like, he's the one that does a lot of the flippy stuff, and people are like, oh, he's going to win, he's going to win. And then somebody screws him over and wins. Well, if they give it to Ricochet, and I really, there's only a 10% chance that that happens, then we know that, that they're serious about him, and he's going to be a big deal in WWE's future. But I mostly see him as he's going to do a lot of cool things. He's going to be the one you remember. And then Sullivan or Dane is going to squash him under a pile of ladders. And that's it for Ricochet for that evening. Then the other three are the three that I really think are you can walk away with the title. I'm 50-50 on EC3 and Velveteen Dream. I really don't know who which one I would put more than the other one. And it's for a couple different reasons. One of them being Velveteen Dream has been kicking ass. And you know that WWE has been paying attention to that. So maybe they give him this is to be like, look, you're progressing really well. And we really want to give you that like pat on the back for your great feud with Aleister Black and your like stellar matches that you've been having lately. We know that you are money. Let's give you that. But real, uh, like, I don't know. I don't want to say like just the look of the title, but if I, if I were to go with like who makes the most sense to be going out there and saying, I'm the first ever North American champion and look at this, I disagree with it, but look at this beautiful title and this was made for me and whatever. It's EC3. Yep. He is doing that top 1% thing. He did be, uh, he did be, wow. Uh, (laughs) I'm so tired this week. Uh, He did start this whole thing by being like, you made this for me and that's great. And he kicked off the idea of the North American Championship. And he is the guy that's coming in fresh. Velveteen Dream, I love Velveteen Dream, and he could very easily win this, but, you know, if I have to pick, I'm going to pick EC3. Me too. Even though I said it when I saw the belt, I think they're going to have a lot of fun eventually with Velveteen Dream changing the color of the strap to be that purple or whatever, matching whatever tights he's wearing that night. But I think first champion... My money's on EC3. Um, I don't really see Velveteen Dream as a front runner in this match, just because he he doesn't need a title. 
he he definitely deserves it for like the effort that he's been putting in this year and his escalation from being like given potentially like career ending gimmick and actually transforming into something really good. But he could have he's already shown that he can have really interesting and like important matches while not having any sort of championship stipulation surrounding it. It's his character and his like ability to just pick fights with people based on something about their appearance or something about their character that he doesn't take too kind to that you can create feuds off that and you don't need a championship to be at the heart of it. Whereas EC3 coming in fresh, he's the new guy. He's um, been in WWE before, but you're trying to establish the new character and give that like appeal to the audience and want, want to see this guy finally be in NXT after so many years in the wilderness or TNA as it's also known. <laughs> um, Did they change the company name again? <laughs> God damn. Uh, you... Impact. I think they're still doing Impact, maybe? <laughs> it's it's an old-school-looking championship. He's an old-school heel wrestler. He's like... I don't want to say like a Ric Flair rip-off or anything like that, but he's like the guy who's saying he's better than everyone else. Similar to the way that Bobby Roode was when he started in NXT. Mm. So that sort of guy should be the guy that holds a championship first. Like, gives it prestige, holds it for a few months. Like, just... Everyone, by the end of his reign, people will be desperate to see someone like a Ricochet or a Velveteen Dream or uh, Johnny Gargano or something along those lines. Some big baby face to finally rip the title off of him. So he's the guy to like give the championship immediate prestige. So my money's on him as well. All right. That's three for EC3. Hmm. Would have been weird if only two of us would have picked it. It would have been EC2 or something like that. But you guys had mentioned that you put a little bit more faith in Adam Cole and that this ties into the tag title. And that's exactly why I think that the tag title is going to cost him this and kill the idea that he can win it. Because we do have, it's both a combination, it's a weird scenario. The Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic finals ended with the Undisputed Era interfering. And William Regal, to their credit... He made a good idea as far as like the storyline goes. He's like, oh, that's pretty clever. I see what you're trying to do here. If you cost the finals to not have an actual winner, then you're not going to have to defend the titles at TakeOver. But fuck you, we're going to have a triple threat instead. I like that storyline. But it also means that we have to like, I've been typing this out so strangely lately where it's like, the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals for the NXT Tag Team Championship Triple Threat Match between the Undisputed Era, but it's the one guy who's filling in for the other guy that's normally a part of the Undisputed Era, but it's a stable, so now he's a champion even though he wasn't constituted one before, versus the Authors of Pain versus the random tag team of the United Kingdom champion and Roderick Strong who's been fighting for 205 Live. It's like, huh? <laughs> what the fuck are we going with here? <laughs> Whatever happened to like AOP versus DIY? The end. <laughs> that kind of a thing. It's a fucking mouthful, but what it, as I have been saying a lot lately, what it boils down to is you've got Pete Dunn and Roderick Strong. I think that this is a tag team comprised of two people that they didn't know what else to do with. That they probably looked at the scenario and they went, shit, we really want to do something with Roderick Strong. But we can't just put him into the, the ladder match too. 
And they probably didn't plan on having anybody else in the ladder match because Adam Cole would have filled in that spot and they wanted Bobby Fish to be healthy, you know? And then right. you got Pete Dunne, the United Kingdom champion. They probably want to showcase the United Kingdom title, but they don't have enough time to do a United Kingdom title match. Plus, who would he fight? Wolfgang? He's not been popping up. He doesn't seem to get a lot of traction. Mark Andrews is on 205 Live. He's still struggling to do anything with that. Tyler Bate had his whole feud. That's out of the way. Trent Seven, everybody would just go, ah, Pete Dunne's going to win. And then if you have him fight Roderick Strong again, then we've already seen the match. Roderick Strong loses again. That's the end of it. There's really nothing to build on there. So I kind of think that they put those two together as just sort of like, we don't know what else to do. And then the authors of pain, they're like, we don't want to bring them up yet, but we don't want to have them miss out because at least with Killian Dane being in the ladder match, that's sanity. And Nikki Cross is going to be fighting, or no, she isn't. Uh, she isn't going to be fighting Lacey Evans. That's uh, Kyrie Sane is going to fight Lacey Evans beforehand. So I look at AOP and I look at Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong as just two teams where they didn't know what to do with them. And the Undisputed Era now is going to be contested with Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. Bobby Fish is sitting down. He's does anybody know how long he's supposed to be out for? A couple of months, right? Yeah, a yeah, few yeah. months. So that's going to be something that'll last a while. And I look at the Undisputed Era as a two-person team rather than a three-person stable. They need those tag titles. If they drop those, Kyle O'Reilly is going to fade off into obscurity. Adam Cole's the star. If he and Kyle O'Reilly aren't teaming up anymore, who's going to give a shit about Kyle O'Reilly, you know? Damn, poor Kyle O'Reilly. Um, I was going to say Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong just because I don't see why they would be so hell-bent on getting this team in this match unless they wanted to do... Hey, Pete Dunne and Roderick Stronger, tag team champions who, you know, have really good chemistry as opponents, but now they're tag team champions and they have to get along. But I think it just makes more sense here to stick with the Undisputed Era because I think we're all in agreement. Monday or Tuesday, the AOP's on the main roster. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I got to go with the Undisputed Era to retain. And maybe if if there's a chance for a title change, it's done and strong, but I don't see it being likely. Um in terms of the match, like I part of me thinks that it has to be Pete Dunn and Roderick Strong, just because they weren't even meant to be in the Dusty Rhodes Classic initially in the first place. It was supposed to be Mustache Mountain, so uh, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven. But they specifically pulled like those two out with a fake injury so they could put this team in instead. So they clearly see a future w- with these two as a team or they were desperate to get them into this match. And I think because Triple H clearly has big plans for Pete Dunne and he's always had an affinity with Roderick Strong as well, that they might just give them the championships just to give them a short run with it. And that's part of the reason why I think that Adam Cole might win the North America Championship, because it would satiate losing the Tag Team Championship. You give him the North American Championship as a compensation. But I'm also, part of me is thinking that 
they had that backstage segment on the recent episode of NXT with William Regal saying, well, I suppose you have three options. One, you don't compete for the North American Championship. You just compete in this match or you compete in both matches or Kyle O'Reilly defends the titles on his own. But I can imagine like the way that Undisputed Era have been presented and say, well, Mr. Regal, I present you option number four, which is there's now another member of the Undisputed Era. Obviously, I have no idea who that would be hmm. off the top of my head. But it wouldn't be out of the question they bring in somebody else. There must be there must be loads of people in NXT that could have the credentials to be in the undisputed era. They just Let's say here. We've got Well, it's not gonna be Bononi or Bonani or whatever, because he's it, potentially doing his own stable. It's yeah. not gonna be anybody that's in the uh ladder match. You'd think not, no. I would think it wouldn't be Cassius Ono. Fabian Eichner, I don't think so necessarily. Leo Rush, I think, is going to 205 Live. What about Cassius Ono? I just said I don't think it's going to be. <laughs> Do you, oh, 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 yeah. But, uh, I've kind of missed that. But it makes sense as like an indie guy going into the team. He would have to be an indie guy with like Ring of Honor history and all that kind of stuff. They could drag Wesley Blake out of obscurity and put him in. No, well, he's, he's got the Forgotten Sons, Forgotten Sons thing. Uh, and you can't split up Heavy Machinery. You can't split up Street Profits. I don't think that they would do anything with Tino and uh, Riddick like that. TM61, you can't split up. Um, so it's certainly not going to be only Lurkin or No Way Jose. If it would be anybody, then it would have to be Ono or Eichner. Or, well, you know what? I'm not looking at the list of the people that are the live event ones. Um, I don't even know who some of these people are, but like... Or, well, couldn't it be um, Dijak? He's one of the Forgotten Sons. Not the Forgotten Sons, but isn't he one of the um, people in that that big stable they're trying to make with people like... um... I don't remember, it was like this big stable that was trying to be made on recent NXT events with him and I think it was like Steve Cutler and uh, No, that's Lacey. um that's no, Wesley Blake, Chad Leal and uh Cutler. And Lacey uh, Evans. But Lacey oh, right, Evans has good. been not doing anything with that. I don't I don't think that Lacey's gonna be a part of that. Uh, so maybe it could be Dijak, yeah. That could Dijak. be a good way to, to do something like that. Because he's part of uh he was in Ring of Honor, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a really impressive wrestler as well. And like he could be like the big guy out of the team as well because he's significantly taller and bigger than everyone else in that group. So he could be like the big muscle head they want. Like they have a bit of control over or something along those lines. That, you know what? That is actually something that, you know, I didn't think about that. But yeah, if uh, if Dijak, he, he did do a run in um, Ring of Honor, it says until 2017. So if they bring him in as the fourth person for that, then maybe that is the case. I mean, you know, I still don't and think that that would end up leading to um, Adam Cole winning the North American Championship. But maybe they do bring him in, and maybe he is the new fourth member. And if that was to happen, then I'd say they would hold on to the championship. But I think like the, the smart money is on Adam Cole still competing with Kyle O'Reilly, and I think that. If that's the case, then it's going to go to Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong. So that they're my official prediction is Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong. Actually, you know what? Does anybody know if anybody is uh, wrestling out of this bunch at Access? Uh, uh, Dijak is. Dijak is? Okay, that might rule him out a little bit then. Well, Pete Dunne is 
competing at Access because he has to defend his UK Championship as well. Do you know which one Dijak is in the He's tournament? He's doing the North American, I believe. North American. All right. Well, at the very least, we know that if Dijak pops up as part of Undisputed Era, he's not going to win that title shot and then fight North American champion uh, Adam Cole. No. <laughs> if that were the case, you know that that's no scenario that would happen. Um, so, Callum, you're going done and strong. Yeah. And Robert, who were you going with? Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era. All right. I'm going Undisputed Era as well. Uh, you really got me thinking about that Dijak thing. Um, I still think it's just going to be Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly, but I think AOP is set for the main roster either right after WrestleMania or at least at Backlash. And strong and done, I think they're just kind of there for the sake of being there. Uh, Undisputed Era, I think that they need a little bit more. I think if we're going to have a little fun with the fantasy booking idea, like Callum pitched of, hey, there's a fourth member, then they do the... Cody Rhodes, Ted DiBiase spot of he'll be here. Oh shit, Roderick Strong just dropped Pete Dunn. Hmm. Roderick Strong's in the Undisputed Era. There's your tag team. I did entertain that idea as well. Maybe. Then NXT doesn't usually do that sort of BS. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, if it <laughs> happened, you heard it here first. <laughs> so I don't have too much to say about this next match. Ember Moon versus Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship. I think that this is just, you didn't want to have Ember Moon drop the title too quick, and then she drops it here. Yep. Uh-huh. I hate to be so dismissive of the women's match when it's like, well, that's the only women's match, and talking about all these other ones a lot more, but I really think that there's nothing more behind it. And that's it- not necessarily their fault 100%. I think it's more so the writing team just not giving them more to do, but I'll also give a little bit of um, discredit to both of them because Shayna is nothing without them writing her as dominant and her name. Meanwhile, Ember Moon, I don't like her on the mic. She's very much like, I'm acting, I'm going to pretend like I'm mad. I'm going to do the same thing that everybody else does where they like they laugh and look off to the side and then look back at the camera mad. Fucking hate it. It drives me crazy. It's like the textbook um for people doing things. That's like their go-to. Like, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to do that. She has, she has been coming off as like very melodramatic recently. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, it doesn't strike it as like a real person would... I know that's a lot of problem with a lot of WWE writing is that a normal person wouldn't talk the way that they're talking, but she's coming across as like exceptionally melodramatic in recent episodes of NXT. She's coming off as somebody playing wrestler. Mm. To me. That's I, would say, I would say give her time, but she's been there for a while. So mm-hmm. that's kind know. of always been, it's kind of always been my main issue with her is that I don't really know what she's about. Even if she's been there for so long, she comes. It's not a case of like coming across as fake almost, but she's got this kind of mystical characteristics with her entrance, and she's got like like real flamboyance in her first entrances when she was coming out. But then she just acts like a normal person outside of it. So I just don't really see what the connection is. Like she comes across as very generic in her actual personality. But then when you see her entrance and stuff like that, you're expecting someone with a lot of character and flamboyance and mm-hmm. like some something different where she's always come across as a little bit of like 
just generic babyface champion. Do you think she would uh, do better with a silent assassin type of gimmick? I think most people on NXT would probably do better with not having to talk as much as they do. Like they get people like Lars Sullivan and even Shayna Baszler as well talking too much. They talk too much. But that's because they're preparing them for WWE where you have to talk all the time. Whereas I just it, think with, with Ember's entrance, like she could pull off the, I do my talking in the ring, you know, um, silent but deadly kind of thing. I don't know. I just think that... I, I, don't mind, I don't mind her talking, but it would be more along the lines of like her talking about how she's like a protector or something like that. Or how the, like Shayna Baszler's been being up people behind the scenes and so she comes across as like more of a protector or like this is my like house, house hunting grounds <laughs> 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 I've jumped on that it's immediately like, just like, burned into my fucking brain too it's like I, I go more than like thinking that this is my kind of hunting grounds and you have to obey, go by my rules this is my turf height I'm the champion of this landscape and if you're going to fight people you've got to do it on my terms whereas Baszler's being more just outwardly aggressive and uh picking on the weak essentially whereas ember moon is it should be more of like an alpha dog in this situation or more of like you haven't proven anything until you've beaten me whereas yeah. in this case she's been a bit more just like oh don't hurt those people you beat up a trainer that's not cool type thing it's just yeah she's hard. playing up the idea of that she's the honorable baby face and it's all about respect and all that other kind of stuff. Mm. But I don't buy it. And it sounds mean to say, but the way that Ember Moon has conducted herself during this feud makes me think she's not ready for the main roster. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to say, but I f- would agree with that. I mean, I, I would be so much more into this match if it was if the title was on Baszler instead. If Baszler, yeah. had, won, if Baszler had won the match. I mean, I know it would have been a bit sucky to give um ember moon such a short title reign but sometimes short title reigns are better for somebody's career it's not a case like sasha banks where she loses the championship the first time it, that she wins it over and over and over again like it would just be a short title reign against somebody who was really on fire at the time when she was fighting for the championship the first time now Baszler's momentum slowed a little bit they've delayed it when she should really be the champion defending against like a valiant ember moon like trying to reclaim her position. Like she's learned a little bit more. She's a little bit wiser. She's not going to take Shayna Baszler as lightly this time. Whereas having the title just feels like an inevitability this time. Just feels like, okay, so this is the thing that you should have done a few months ago. And now we're going to see it this time instead. Yeah. We're just going to see Shayna Baszler when Ember Moon is going to have a rematch with her either on NXT television or in Chicago. And she'll lose and then Shayna Baszler will move on to the next one. Either it's Kyrie Sane or it's Nikki Cross or it's, you know, just give or take Kenneth LeRae, Dakota Kai. She moves on to the next one and they'll probably keep the belt on Shayna Baszler for a while. So it's kind of really not like... Are you guys worried about the future of the NXT women's division? Do you think it's lost a step in recent months? I I don't think so, actually. To be honest, I think that it's lost a step because of Asuka. I think that they painted themselves into a little bit of a corner because Asuka was undefeated and they didn't want to have her lose to anybody. So everybody lost to her. And once she left, 
it became this mad scramble of like, well, now we need to find out who's second best. And there, you got somebody like Ashana Baszler who came in and she was trying to make it seem like she's the best. But the first thing that she did was lose. So then where do you have your, your big type of person? You know, if it's supposed to be Ember Moon, she has been struggling to, you know, she's been having fights with Aaliyah and not doing all that well. And she got her ass kicked by Shayna Baszler and only won by the skin of her teeth. So the champion isn't all that strong. The challenger wasn't able to be as dominant as she should have been. And then all the other people are getting their asses beat by Shayna Baszler and stuff. Or there's somebody like, say, um, Tanara Kanchi, who hasn't really even popped up recently. Who? Yep. <laughs> she she was the woman that was supposed to be with the Undisputed Era for like two weeks and then just disappeared after that. Okay. The blonde one that looks like a the, version The Brazilian of, one that looks... Yeah, the Brazilian one, yeah. She's oh like my a, god, she's gorgeous. I don't, I don't see it. I think I, she looks I, like the less attractive cousin of Renee Young, where it's like, you're related, but Renee's the cute one. <laughs> I'm 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 not too like down on the women's division in NXT, mainly just because I think there's a lot of actual characters on it. When I look at like WWE's one, I see like a few like big standout personalities, but a lot of them are just fitting into places like you look at someone like a Dana Brooke or a Sonya Deville or something like that. They've kind of got characters, but they're more just like background pawns. Whereas I see, look at NXT women's division, and yeah, there might be some people that are like on a higher pedestal like your Shayna Baszler's Ember Moon's Kyrie Sane but everyone else even though they're not at that level they all seem to have unique characters and personalities which means I can get more invested into their matches and their feuds and their own personal storylines as opposed to just seeing like an endless bunch of people that Baszler will be and I think that she will hold the title for a while and she'll beat a lot of people but I think that'll be a good time to get some more characters over in the process. It's not it's nice every now and again to have like a dominant heel as like on top for about like six to nine months or something like that, just to build up the eventual babyface winner, which I hope would be someone like maybe a Candice LeRae. She comes across like the scrappy babyface that would finally pull out the 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 shock win. Hmm. I like it. I don't know if I'd pick anybody over Candace. I'd go right Candace off the top of my head. Candace but I do, I do like Candace a lot. So if Candace is the one that beats Shayna, I'm totally cool with that. I have no interest in Kyrie because they spent way too much time on Asuka. Well, you can only handle one Japanese woman? No, I'm saying you can't go, <laughs> go from one Japanese dominant female to another. It just seems like, okay, we've seen this movie already. Why not? Viper's winning, like, uh, Piper Niven is dominant in Japan. Why can't a Japanese person be dominant in America? <laughs> because they are. They're main eventing WrestleMania. But saying, <laughs> don't, do it, don't do it on NXT. Again. That would be kind of funny, though, if they ended up being, like, the NXT uh, Women's Champion and the SmackDown Women's Champion and the SmackDown World Champion, and then they just start, like, introducing all these other Japanese wrestlers as, like, being... Uh, Raw tag team champion. Like, uh, do they have any other Japanese ones on the roster? Hideo Tani and Akira Tozawa on the yeah. NXT roster, though. Um, I don't no. think NXT. They they were close to signing like Io Shirai at some point, but they decided to go against that. 
or she mm. decided not to sign. But not to my knowledge, there's any other Japanese person. Ah, all right, never mind then. I was going to say, like, surprise entrant for the North American and, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. They're more keen from recruiting in China and India at the moment, so. Yeah, they have, like, like Bing and stuff. They have a huge Asian, like, conglomerate winning the titles. So we have two more matches to talk about here, and um, let's go to what I think is going to potentially be not only the match of the night, but potentially one of the best matches of the entire year. Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa for no title, but it is an unsanctioned match. So it does have a stipulation attached to it. The unsanctioned matches, if you're unaware, are no DQ matches. That's the only difference. You know, they just, it's another one of the 50 names that they have for no DQ. But they call it an un- unsanctioned match because it's kind of the idea behind, like, Gargano isn't quote unquote officially part of the NXT roster. And if anything were to happen, he can't sue us and that kind of a thing. Um, the other stipulation behind it, because it is an unsanctioned match and because the whole hiring and rehiring situation is if Ciampa wins, Gargano stays fired. But if Gargano wins, he gets his job back. Similar situation to what we've got going on for the Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn situation, where I mentioned this before. I think it's a little strange that we've got both events have a situation where somebody has been fired and they're fighting for their job to come back, as opposed to like a retirement match or, you know, even if it was just like two of those types of matches back to back, it would still be kind of strange. But it's weird that it's like two of the reverse match to me. But it's a good match idea. I think that this is something that's a long time coming. We've been talking about it for months. Gargano and Ciampa know what they're doing. This is going to kick some serious ass. Oh, yeah. Match of the weekend? Anyone? I I think it's got as good of a shot as anybody else's ideas. If it's not this one, it could be the IC title match, or it could be the Shinsuke Nakamura AJ Styles match, but I would lean a little bit more towards Gargano and Ciampa. It's 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 definitely like a high potential, but I I don't know what you guys think personally. But I don't want this to be a five. Well, I would like it to be a five star match, obviously, but I don't want it to be a five star match in the same way that Gargano and Almas was a five star match. This needs to be a war. It needs to be a lot of brawling in the crowd, a lot of weapons being used, a lot of a lot of more personality work as opposed to like technical wrestling brilliance. Yeah, it needs to be. It's to feel as personal as it's been built up to be. So they can still have a brilliant match, and I'm sure they've thought about every single aspect of how they're going to make this match as great as it possibly could be. But it needs to be... This match needs to be completely different to the Gargano-Almas match. But I still think it'll be as good, if not better. I would liken it to Jericho and Omega, where... When the match was announced, you're thinking, oh, oh my God, they're going to have this five-star wrestling classic. And they made it really personal and really intense. And they had a really good no-disqualification brawl. And that's what I want to see from Gargano and Ciampa here as well. So I'm going Gargano winning. I think it's a pretty standard thing to go with. You know, he gets his job back. He stays in NXT. Makes a lot of sense. Do you guys have any other differing opinions behind that? No, because really Gargano has been beaten down so much as the underdog, and he needed this win to 
move on with his career. I'm a little upset at the if he wins, he gets reinstated because I wanted him to have his happy moment here, his swan song here, and then go up to either SmackDown or 205 Live. But yeah, Gargano has to win here. No ifs, ands, or buts. I would. Mm, part of me is thinking that there's a great. It's a great way to get Champa as like the top heel in NXT is to have him banish Gargano for good. Then he can immediately go for the NXT Championship with Alistair Black. So it's a good way to cement him if he does win. But it's obviously a really big, good feel feel good moment for Gargano who. Even though he's one of NXT's, arguably NXT's biggest star and babyface, he hasn't won a lot of matches on takeovers to finally get the win. And I think even if he does win, this might still be the final time we see him in NXT. Hmm. Just go along the lines of him saying, I finally defeated Champa. I've gotten that monkey off my back. So I get to now leave NXT on my terms as opposed to being forced out. And, then he, goes up to the, and then he goes up to the main roster. Because then he supposed says, I, I did what I needed to do. I beat Champa. I earned my place back in NXT. But now it's time for the next like journey for Johnny Gargano. And I'm well, the only thing that I pray is that I hope he doesn't go to 205 Live. Just because even though it's getting a lot better, he's too big for 205 Live. Not in terms of size, obviously, but uh, <laughs> he's... Um, 6'8", 250 pounds. He's connected with six. Yeah. His connection with the audience is like, I wouldn't say it's not Daniel Bryan's level, but it has potential to like springboard towards that. And so I think he deserves a place on the main roster instead. But that might be all the more reason that they want him on 205 Live. They need that drawing power that makes people say, you know, yeah, I'm tired, but I'm going to watch 205 Live. But he doesn't have draw. Like it's the thing with Johnny Gargano; he's a big star in NXT, but he doesn't have drawing power. Right. Nobody outside of NXT knows who Johnny Gargano is. Yeah. Whereas if you put him in WWE, you could like create that atmosphere, like he does have in NXT, where people do want to go to NXT shows to see him. But he needs to be on the main roster to do that, because you need to build him back up again, like bring him up as the underdog character that he was in NXT. I think if there would have been a heel in the mix for the cruiserweight championship, then I'd lean a little bit more towards him coming up. Cause if for instance, say TJP, if we had like TJP versus Cedric Alexander and TJP came out on top, he won the cruiserweight championship and then he starts gloating about it the next night on two Oh five live. And he's talking about how, you know, I proved that I am the best cruiserweight cause I am now a two time champion I won the Cruiserweight Classic, and I won this tournament, and, you know, you put any tournament in front of me, I'm going to win it because I'm the best Cruiserweight and whatever. I proved that I'm the best on the entire roster. There's nobody on there that can beat me. Tournament proves it, blah, blah, blah. And then Gargano pops up. That would have been a scenario that I could have seen coming. But since we have two baby faces right now, I think we need to heal. And... Whether that is somebody like a Buddy Murphy, because he's a babyface, but he kind of isn't, sort of. It's a little bit strange. Or you get like a Gentleman Jack Gallagher, or, uh, you know, you take your pick from anybody who could be a heel in that kind of a scenario. Maybe even Neville comes back and fights Cedric or Mustafa. I think there's no room for Gargano. And if he were to go on Raw or SmackDown, particularly Raw, he's going to get lost in the shuffle, I think. But if he stays in NXT, he's got 
another championship he can be fighting for. He doesn't have to win the NXT title. He can win that North American one. I think we need to start getting into the mindset there are certain people that just shouldn't go from NXT. Maybe there are certain people that should just stay in NXT for the majority of their careers. And I'm cool with that. Because NXT could be a standalone brand. And if the Fox deal does go ahead, NXT is something that could definitely be on the table to actually become an actual like mainstream television show. Mm-hmm. So That would hurt the network, I think, a little bit. Yeah, it would. But, but you know. It depends how much money's being offered for it. Cause right. Let's put it this way. It's not like millions of people, well, thousands upon thousands of people signing up to watch NXT every single week. They're still watching it if they have the network. They're still going to enjoy it and still going to watch it, but it's not really something that's drawing people to sign up for the network. And maybe putting it on uh, Fox for a little while will get people to sign up more because you could have something like, oh, we'll show an hour of NXT here, but then you've got an extra half an hour of NXT shows that you can see only on the network or something like that. Right, kind of like what they do with uh, SmackDown, it's two hours, and then go over to the network for 205 Live, that kind of a thing. Yeah, only this time it will hopefully work. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think that Gargano's winning here, and I agree with your sentiment that if Ciampa wins, he skyrockets to be in like a top heel, but I think we got Lars Sullivan, and I think we got EC3, Velveteen Dream. There's enough heels, we need more baby faces. And Gargano's that top baby face. Arguably higher up than uh, Alistair Black is. Uh, yeah, I would say without question, he's more of a babyface than Alistair Black. Um, I'll, you've kind of convinced me. I think I'll go with Gargano for this match as well. And that takes us to our final match to talk about here. The NXT Championship match is going to be Andrade Cien Almas defending his title against Alistair Black. Selena Vega, I'm sure, is going to be ringside, causing a little bit of havoc and stealing everybody's hearts and stuff. And it's uh, time for Amos to drop that belt. Black wins. He's been fairly dominant. I think he's only lost, like, two matches or something since he's been on NXT. Just the one. Just the one, even. Yeah, it's the um, the match that Gargano won to earn a title shot. That's the only time he's been pinned. So, if he's only lost one match, it's hard to assume that he's going to do anything other than, you know, uh, change the pace and stuff. Um, Almas has held the title since November? Yeah, the Survivor Series one. Yeah, the one before Uh, Survivor Series. War games. So, he's held it for a couple of months now. You know, that's a long enough title reign. And Almas was somebody that a lot of people didn't think would necessarily even win that title to begin with. Arguably... If this would have been a scenario where it was happening now, he could have been the choice for the North American title instead. You know, he got his world title reign for NXT and he's got arguably the best manager in WWE right now. Heyman and uh, Zelina Vega are pretty much like fighting it out for number one. So bring him up to the main roster, have him drop this title, put it on Aleister Black. They clearly like Aleister Black a lot. And move on to the next uh, stage, you know? And it also kind of balances out the idea that I think that we're getting a heel North American champion, and then we'd have a babyface NXT champion. Hard to argue. I think the best thing to come out of Andrade and his surprise victory over Drew was the match he would go on to have with Gargano being the match that finally made people say, Almost is awesome, and it's not just Zelina. 
because he was suffering from a lot of people like, ah, Zelina's awesome and Almas is just there to carry her bags. And I think they did a good job in wiping away that stigma. Now, Almas can go to SmackDown and be, you know, firmly in their mid-card and, you know, Black rules over NXT until it's time for whoever. I think you guys were saying Lars Sullivan. I could see that. Or I could see even Gargano beating him. Babyface versus babyface in Brooklyn. Could be. Or Chiaba. Yeah. You could definitely do that and then have those two fight for a championship down the line or something. Like have the Gargano champ title match further down the line. But um, yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement. Uh, Almas has like a big potential as a crossover star. It's obviously got a big following in Mexico. He could be their next like big Latin American superstar. Somebody that because most of their Latin American stars are pretty much like pigeonholed in 205 Live, and I don't really want to see Alberto Del Rio come back as well. So, well, if you close your eyes while Almas is talking, that is Del Rio. Like. <laughs> I have the hardest time distinguishing them if I'm just listening to a promo. Well, it's one of the main issues of that Almas doesn't speak very good English, which is why you have Zelina Vega, because she can do the talking for him. And I've kind of gotten annoyed at the fact that they're still insisting on him cutting promos in English when he clearly doesn't really speak English all that well still. So he should really just be cutting promos in Spanish if he has to talk at all. I mean, you've got a manager, that's what she's there for, so like, have her talk for you, it's fine. No one's going to think any less of you if you don't hold the microphone. God, imagine how awful this is going to be if on SmackDown we've got Shinsuke Nakamura as our champion, we've got Asuka as our women's champion, and then we've got Andrade Cien Almas having to cut a promo without Zelina Vega, where it's just like... We have nobody being able to cut promos on SmackDown. Well, well, that's why I've started doing the um, subtitle things on SmackDown as well, like in the promos. <laughs> uh, but they've only been doing that for the Americans, funny enough. So that's like... <laughs> Maybe they only think that Spanish people or Japanese people watch SmackDown anymore, and they've just had to translate the Americans now instead. I think, and they're way too focused on making SmackDown the B show, but it's the B show with all the good wrestling. You know what I mean? The underdog show. Yeah, they're really pigeonholing themselves there. That's why I I know it's getting a little off topic, but that's why I want Brian to stay there because if we have a Nakamura and an Almas and an Asuka, it's going to be like, well, I like the wrestling, but I can't get through any of these promos, you know? Brian has to stay on SmackDown. Yeah. He absolutely has to. Because they know that he's money, and they know that he's not winning that world title if Roman Reigns is still on Raw. You know, keep those two separate. But I'm I'm really pleased with the way that Almas has carried the championship so far. I mean, a lot of people probably thought that when he won the title, it was pretty much like, well, Drew McIntyre got injured, so they had to give a title to him or something on those lines. But whether that was the case or not, he's held the championship with a lot of gusto and he's had great matches with Gargano as well so I think we've we've now gone part, past the uh, Almas that was kind of thrown into this weird like gigolo gimmick with the 
weird like magic Mike outfit and now he's seems like this is more of the La Sombra as opposed to Almas. This is the guy that was a big star in New Japan and New Mexico rather than the guy that was just like who looked like he was going to be another failed experiment like a Sin Cara or something along those lines. Now he yeah. could actually come into the main roster and I'm not saying like he comes to the main roster and then becomes like the main event and he's fighting for the world championship down the line or something. Maybe eventually, but he could definitely be like a permanent fixture in the mid card for a long time, especially with Selena Vega by his side. You don't think they're stupid enough to split him and Vega if they better was, not. They, I mean, if, they, if they're that dumb to do that, then they deserve what comes afterward. Yeah. The only way I can well. They were stupid enough to split uh, Lana and Rusev, so... You they can't were also really... stupid enough to split Enzo, Cass, and Carmella. Now, granted that they ended up making magic, luckily, but that was a huge package, and them splitting them up, I didn't think was beneficial to them in the beginning. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past it, but if they think they can find someone that... Would be- well, they think would benefit from Selena Vega more or someone they have more stock in that they want to give Selena Vega to instead, then, I mean, I don't want to say that Andrade Cienamas is completely dependent on her, but he goes from an upper mid-card potential main eventer with her to just, like, a lowly mid-carder, like, or, like, even a job guy without her. Well, no, I just think, you know, the package deal is important. Like, Lesnar without Heyman would not have been as good in this run. And I think that's kind of where Almas and Zelina are, where I think they really help each other. The only reason that came in my head was because I was thinking, I can't believe that they're not doing Candice versus Vega. And what if Candice helps Johnny and, you know, Almas goes up and Ciampa latches onto Zelina, at least for one match in Chicago or something. I think the reason why they're not doing that is because there hasn't been any crossover between Amis and Gargano. If they would have done that, they would have done a mixed tag match already. Mm. And I don't think, I mean, they already have like mixed tag matches and like live events and yeah. stuff like that. So they have, they have done it, but that's true. NXT is that brand that, you know, go to the live events. You never know what you're going to see. Mm. Right. And, and I, I think, think that that's a big factor behind that. And I think I'm okay with I, I I know Zelina Vega can wrestle and she does get involved with like the head scissors during matches and stuff like that, but I'm fine with her just not being a wrestler. Some people you just are better as managers. Yeah, I'll like, agree with that. With someone like Lana or something like that, she should never have been a wrestler. She might have been training for a long time and she could have been, had like matches every now and again, but she was a manager and she was a really good manager. So why just ruin that because like you wanted her to be a wrestler instead. Revolution, Plus, Callum. Revolution. <laughs> look at uh Zelina Vega's background. She already has had a whole stint in impact and elsewhere. So they know that they can trust her at least enough to not be somebody who they're like training from the bottom up like a Mandy Rose or something. Although Mandy Rose jumped up to the main roster pretty quick. And if, and if you bring in chamber. You do uh, Zelina Vega on the main roster with Andrade San Amis, eventually she could just wrestle as part of SmackDown or Raw, you know? Yeah, she can have like occasional matches, like if they want to do like a few mixed tag team matches or something like that, or just want to have her in a feud with some like a Becky Lynch or something like that. And that's it's totally fine to do that, but she should primarily just be the manager because she she it makes a huge impact 
and she's such a good talker she's so comfortable on the microphone that people will be still be talking about her it's not like she falls into the shadow of almas or even almas falls into the shadow of her they both bring different qualities to the partnership and it makes it it's like there's like a symbiote almost like they don't really work as well without the other one plus i mean look at what we might end up getting it in the future rusev and lana versus andrade cian almas and uh, Zelina vega Maybe do that. You know, you have to turn Rusev babyface for that to happen. Probably, yeah, entirely babyface. That'll happen. Yeah, you'd hope so. I guess but, the only other question I have is, what do you guys think about long-term upside for Alistair Black? Do you think he's just another NXT guy, or do you think he'll actually make a bigger impact down the line? I have mid-card a- title in 2019. That's that's probably what I see as well. I think the difference with him with a lot of other NXT guys that have held the championship and then not really done too much on the main roster. Like you're, I don't want to say I don't want to pitch a whole Neville with that, but if you're like a world champion NXT and then the best you can get on the main roster is the cruiserweight championship, then it really hasn't worked as well as you would have hoped it would. But Alistair Black has an entrance and the presence about him. He he looks different. He there's a lot different about him, which could help him stand out a lot more than a lot of other guys. So I have high hopes for him to hold the championship for a considerable amount of time, and then he'll come up and actually be a big deal on the main roster. Not gonna, not w- world championship level, but gonna play devil's advocate and say you mentioned entrance. What about a Bray Wyatt? Bray Wyatt had the character on lock, and they still couldn't make him a mainstay in the main event scene. Well, the, the slight difference to that, I think, is I think they went too far with Bray Wyatt in terms of his character, making him too much of a crazy, like... The, he went from being a cult leader to being, like, a magician, pretty much. Where And also, as the Black's wrestling can compensate, whereas Bray Wyatt's really couldn't in most cases. Well, right most on. people that come up from NXT... If they're in the main event scene, they tend to do at least pretty well. You look at Samoa Joe, it's a matter of timing. He got injured in a scenario that really sucked and stuff. And he came up right around WrestleMania and they didn't know what to do with him and all that. They botched uh, Samoa Joe with that. But he really could. At any point, Samoa Joe can win that world title. And I don't think anybody's going to be like, what? Samoa Joe? You know, like that kind of thing. Like... I admit, I like Ty Dillinger, but if Ty Dillinger won a world title, people would be confused. Mm-hmm. And you look at, like, Kalisto, they tried real hard with Kalisto. They gave him a cruiserweight title reign, two United States title reigns, but he's just not the type of guy that goes up. And he didn't win the world title in NXT, he only won a tag title. So they still did pretty well for him, realistically. Uh, the whole scenario with Shinsuke Nakamura. He's becoming a world champion in a couple days now. You got Bobby Roode. He's on his way up. He could easily win a title at any point. Um, Finn Balor, you know, his injury got in the way for that, and that screwed him over. Seth Rollins is, of course, multi-time world champion. Big E is during a different era. That's a little bit harder to kind of gauge because he and, like, like, Bo Dallas, he's a complete flop. But Bo Dallas wasn't NXT champion when NXT meant what it means now. So the same thing with Neville. 
But after you get with Neville, you get Sami Zayn. And it's pretty much Sami Zayn onward. They've been pretty good. Sami hasn't won a title yet, which is crazy. Still don't know why he's not a mid-card champion. But Owens, man, he was straight to the top. And Balor and Nakamura and whatnot, like, they're all kind of hovering around there. So I think that the sky isn't the limit for Almas. But I do think that Aleister Black is going to have a little bit easier of a time. And when he comes up to the main roster sometime in 2019 or the tail end of 2018, I think more so 2019, then I think that he's going to be straight into that mid-card title situation. And he could possibly win one of those titles on like his first night. I think that they like him a lot. I don't It'll know about future world champ, though. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. And it's all going to start here, because he is winning that match. He's clearly winning that match. Yeah. He, there's no way Amis retains, unless there's some really crazy idea that they got going on, where they're going to do, like, at NXT TakeOver Chicago, they're going to have Aleister Black versus Tommaso Ciampa versus Johnny Gargano versus Andrade San Amis in a fatal four-way, and then they put the belt on Ciampa or Gargano. That's the only way I can see that happening. But I don't think that's happening. So, all three of us going black? Yep. Yep, and I'm hoping for a spot where well, the final spot to be something where Almas flies off the top row and runs into the, like, falls into the uh, black mass kick. I'm hoping that's the finish, but that's I wouldn't cool. be upset if it wasn't. And that means we are done as far as NXT TakeOver predictions. Make sure you guys tell us what you think is going to happen in the comments section below and your thoughts on any of our opinions and anything else you want to chime in on like that. If you want to be aware of when we do our post-show for not only this, but WrestleMania, they're going to be obviously after the shows and they'll be uploaded on YouTube as soon as possible. Just hit that subscribe button and ring the bell for notifications and that way you'll be aware of when they are actually up and ready to go. You could also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SmartOutMoment. Follow these guys over on their Twitters as well. Callum? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Wigmeister14. And Robert? Follow me everywhere at DudeFleece. And keep checking SmartOutMoment.com for everything else that's coming your way for all the other weeklies and whatever else ends up getting posted. If you want to be a part of the predictions contest, those two posts are up as well. We've got the Smart Madness tournament, which is on the finals right now. What is the best gimmick match of all time? Is it the ladder match or is it a battle royal or a Royal Rumble? They're kind of combined. And just one vote separated ladder match from Elimination Chamber. So for those people that are like, son of a bitch, well, you know, you could have created another Google account or something. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, you could have passed it around and shared it around with other people to, to get more people to vote for that. But that is all stuff that's happening over this incredibly bu busy week. Next week, we're going to be taking care of the recap of that tournament as our main event. And we're also going to be doing the hot tags and anything else we need to do. So plenty of stuff more coming your way. Just stay tuned and we will see you when we see everybody. Thanks for listening. This has been another Smart Out Moment and we're being counted out. Ah!